We are so sick of this COVID conversation. We're going Montreal Canadian, Sammy. You okay with that? He's, he's speechless he's not, right now. He's, he's, not, he's, not good, he's so upset. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Renault, how are you, my friend? I'm pretty good in South Florida, waiting for the Montreal Canadiens to arrive tonight. It's tough to beat, my friend. All right, Renault Lavoie, hockey reporter for TVA. We're lucky enough to join him. He's one of the best in the business and uh, certainly all over the Montreal Canadiens. Renault, good or bad, they're always a story. We've learned that throughout the years with the Toronto yep. Maple Leafs, right? Yep. And so where 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 are we off the ice? Uh, you you reported uh, uh, very recently as many as eight names yep. on a list. Now I, I I I've done this a long time, Renault. I can't ever recall anyone reporting as many as eight <laughs> names yeah. on a list. We've heard a few here and there and yeah. just wondering now, you know, just in terms of the information you're getting, is it a little bit more forthcoming because the attention shifts off the, uh, on from on the ice to off the ice? Is there a sense that this yeah. is going to get played out a little bit more publicly? That's a great question, Kipper. Um, you know, one thing for sure, if you look at, at the list, uh, there are six names, uh, six names that are uh, obviously uh, people uh, who played hockey or are agents like Ken Hughes. Uh, and uh, you have two women, uh, and uh, Emily Castonguay and uh, another one, uh, uh, I think Danielle, I know that sound. Right? Did no, we lose was, him? That was the we lost Renault sound. So All right, we'll we'll work on on getting him back. But JB, do you see where I'm going with this here? Just in terms of of you know Montreal, I'll tell you something. As someone that's been in this business for you know well over 20 years, mm -hmm. uh, maybe the heart one of the hardest teams to get any information out. I've been very fortunate over my my career to have had some pretty good scoops with the Montreal Canadiens, including right. the PK Subin trade for, for Shea Weber. And then the information that I, I got uh, a while ago on Shea Weber and his, his injury and how it was a threat to his career. But outside of that, man, it is very hard to get anything out of the Montreal Canadiens. So yeah. All right, Renault, we're back here. I was just telling yeah. JB, man, when it comes to yeah. a level of information out of Montreal, man, that's like trying to get through Fort Knox. Yeah, I know what you mean. So uh, two names out there, Emily Castonguay uh, and Danielle Sauvageau, who are women. Uh, so obviously you're saying eight names. That's a lot of people. Uh, that being said, uh, if you look at the big picture, I, I'm not convinced that Danielle Sauvageau or Emily Castonguay are going to be the next GM uh, of the Montreal Canadiens, but that being said, there's a good chance that one of uh, these two women, or maybe both, are going to work for the Montreal Canadiens after the GM interview. So uh, I talked to Jeff Molson uh, three weeks ago in uh, Palm Beach at the uh, governor meeting, and he, he, he mentioned that there's a lot of names on that list, 
uh, that are uh, and people that are being interviewed for the GM job, but he said probably too for other position uh, inside uh, the organization. And it's going to be uh, really interesting. I know what you mean by saying that you know uh, there's a lot of um, uh, you know speculation, or maybe that the Canadians are a little bit more forthcoming right now regarding. Uh, who can be uh, available or who will be interviewed. I, I understand that. But I think that in today's reality, um, why you, you, fans are, are there to, uh, you know, make sure that, uh, um, that they're going to be um, happy with uh, the decision that the team uh, will make. And at the same time, they want to know. They want to, they want to know who, who's going to be interviewed. And I think, the best way to do it, if you're the Montreal Canadiens, is to say, you know what, uh, there's no reason to play hush hush, uh, because at one point Patrick was going to say something, uh, or somebody else is going to say something. So we better, um, yes, control in a way uh, what we want to say, but at the same time, I mean, uh, I, I don't think it would have been a, a big secret to, uh, uh, or I, I don't think it would have been really difficult to know who was on that list because at one point it would have leaked anyway. Renaud, how much of the list is them having eight people that they want to interview versus not want, I guess, versus public relations and saying, hey, we did talk yeah. to Patrick Waugh. We did, you know, we, yeah, how much of it is it like they're really looking at eight people with even chance here versus just a, a good, presenting a good front? Well, you know what? That's a great question. Um, and, and you know what? If you look at Patrick Roy, I understand what you're saying. Is it the public relation? But in a way, uh, mm -hmm. it's the first time that um, Jeff Molson is going to interview Patrick Roy. Yes, Patrick was interviewed for the uh, uh, coaching job in 2012 when Marc Bergevin arrived. But obviously, uh, Marc Bergevin was alone with uh, Patrick Roy. Uh, Jeff Molson wasn't there. I believe it's going to be really important for those two people to, uh, uh, well, they, I, I don't think they're going to meet, meet face to face because it's going to be probably a, a virtual meeting. Uh, but, you know, I think it's going to be really positive for Patrick to have a conversation like that with Bob Gainey, um, you know, Michael and Lauer, uh, obviously uh, Jeff Molson and uh, Jeff Gorton. Why? Because, even if I don't believe that Patrick Roy could be the next GM, can he be the next coach of the Montreal Canadiens if mm. they make it, they're making a decision after the season or, or at one point, um, you know, uh, regarding Dominique Ducharme? So I, I always believe that Patrick Roy, and I don't know what you think, guys, but, uh, but a guy who, who spent the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years behind the bench and uh, – only three of those years were in the NHL. I mean, the guy spent so much time uh, as a coach in junior in the NHL. Uh, I understand that, you know, he, he, he's comfortable maybe uh, uh, as a GM if he wants that job. But in reality, I believe Patrick is more a coach than a GM. And at one point, he, he needs to present himself the right way. Uh, during that meeting because even if he doesn't have the GM job doesn't mean that he won't work for the Montreal Canadiens sooner than later. Yeah. So, I, you know, I just think that they're 
they're nervous about is bigger than life, you know, image. Yeah, I, I understand that. But, you know, for a lot of people in Montreal, and I totally understand it, Patrick White's probably the reason why the Montreal Canadiens uh, didn't want another Stanley Cup or were not successful. The day they traded Patrick Roy, uh it was obviously one of the worst decisions of this organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you look at it since, and it's, it's painful. It, it was painful. So, you know, uh, there was the curse of the Bambino, I wonder if uh, <laughs> I wonder if there's not the curse of the Casso. You remember yeah. when he was playing in Montreal? We were calling him the Casso. Uh, so <laughs> I wonder if there's a curse right there. If you're bringing back Patrick in the organization, yes, you know you're telling the rest of the world that hey, uh, we're we're gonna give a chance to that guy. If there's a curse, and it's just me talking, but. Probably there's no curse, but you know how it is in pro sports, right? We want to find reason why teams are not winning championships anymore. So I, I think that at one point, you know what? Sooner than later, we'll be the better. That's, that's the way I see it. I love it. I love it. So first off, uh, what does Casso mean in, in English? I, I don't know the word. Casso is, you know, when you're going at your... Uh, your uh, <laughs> Because Patrick was a, a French fries lover, and you know when you're going at at your uh, at your hockey rink, uh, you know your youth hockey rink, uh, corner yeah. hockey rink, they're giving you your fries in a in a small little box. Yeah. That was a castle because uh, Patrick was a French fry lover. So hey, that's amazing, guys. Yeah, it is. It, but that's the beauty of it. Uh, you know, we need to laugh, especially in a day like today. So why not why not talk about the curse of the castle and 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 I, I mention it even if uh, Patrick, yeah, you're saying that probably they're scared of him, bigger than life, or whatever the reasons are. But but why 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 don't you open your arms and say, you know what? The last time we won a Stanley Cup, you were in net. The last two times we won we won the Stanley Cup, you were in net. Uh, you spent a lot of years uh, behind bench in the queue or in the NHL. Um, I mean, come home and let's yes. see what's going to happen. But, but, but as a GM, I, I'm not sure. Not because I'm not saying Patrick cannot do the job, but I'm just saying that I think he's more a coach than a GM. Has Dominic Ducharme lost favor this season based on how the year has gone? That's a great question. You know what? I'm, I'm so um, sad for Dominic. First of all, Dominic is a great guy. Like it's tough to beat. He's a he's a gentleman. Um, even if uh, the team is struggling, uh, he's always beating the media. Always when we have uh, you know uh, chat with him, uh, broadcasting chat, he's always uh, helping, uh, always upbeat, um, and always trying to find solutions. And it's I've never seen uh, something like that ever. Uh, the first time he was obviously hired by the Canadians uh, as the head coach, as, as you remembered, was last February, mm-hmm. and uh, and quickly it turned sour because of uh, COVID that was inside the dressing room. They played 25 games in 43 nights, uh, but after that they start winning games during the the playoffs, and it was a good stretch for them. 
this season is a total gong show. It starts with your captain saying that he's not coming back. Carey Price, uh, not there yet. Uh, and, and, you know, Mike Hoffman, there's not even a practice. He's already gone. Same, uh, uh, you know, for another couple of guys like uh, Joel Edmondson. So here's your, uh, you know, here's, here's the right way or the wrong way, I should say, to, to start a, a season like this year. And after that, if you look at Coven and the way it impacted the team after all the injuries, you, you have to feel bad for Dominic because you don't know what's next for him. Uh, but, I mean, one thing for sure, if if he's fired or if they make another, a decision regarding his position at one point, people are going to say uh, that, you know, something like that uh, never happened before in the NHL. And poor guy was uh, in the middle of a of a perfect storm that lasts for so many months. It it it's kind of a, a crazy, but you know how pro sports is. Uh, you need to have the W's to survive. So we'll see how things are going to evolve. But one thing for sure, uh, I will feel really really bad if uh, they're not giving him another chance uh, because I think that he deserves one. But I understand at the same time that this is a business. Uh, a new GM will be named. There's already Jeff Gorton there. So you have to wonder what's next for poor Dominic. Renault, did the effort against Tampa Bay go a long way for Montreal Canadian fans, or is this just no way to uh, get rid of the, the wrath that may come no, towards the organization I, I, in the second half? I think I think it, it comes a long way because people know they're, they're not stupid, right? They're looking at the, the roster and they're like, hey, that, that's the only thing that we're asking now is, first of all, the effort is really important. Second of all, give us a show. Give us a great show. It was a great game, by the way. It was and, a good and game. You know what I, yeah, and, and you know what better. I said to myself? Yeah, they deserve better. They had great goaltending. It was wide open. There was no system. And I said to myself, we need 36 teams in the NHL to make sure <laughs> that it will be, games will be like that. Because sometimes you're watching games and you're, you're wondering, but for sure you're wondering, there's so many guys that don't, don't want to make a mistake, the system that are in place, uh, that are really tough to, to play against. Um, and, and kudos to the coaches that are, uh, you know, putting those systems in place. But if you have 36 teams, it's going to be really difficult to have the best players uh, on one team. Uh, and... So you, you obviously you're going to spread the love a little bit more. So I, I mean I, I I think the NHL is a great league, probably the best league in the world if you look at talent and you know the quality of uh, of games. But uh, I mean you you need to realize that is it normal? Everybody all the expectations for the last Montreal games were really really low. People expected a, a really a boring game. Uh, people were saying it's the Laval Rocket versus uh, uh, Syracuse, uh, Syracuse Crunch. But you know what? Uh, the guys that were on the ice on both teams, they gave it all. They wanted to play. They want to have fun. They played the game the right way. So, I mean, what else do you really are, are you asking for? If you want entertainment, I had an, an entertainment in front of me, and, and I was pretty delighted. And, and I think the fans in the stands and fans watching home, we're really happy to, to see that. Hopefully, it's going to be the same thing tonight or uh, Saturday here in Florida uh, in the afternoon versus the Panthers. 
But it, it's, it, it, you know, to go back to your question, effort. If, if the guys are putting all the energy there, out there, yes, people are going to be happy and they're, they're going to forget quickly about this uh, bad season. Renault, we really appreciate your time. Enjoy the weather down there. Oh, I will. You know what? It's tough to find a cloud in the sky. Uh, don't rub <laughs> it in, my friend. I know, I know. But and, and at 7 a.m. this morning, uh, the quick run was uh, at 25 Celsius. Uh, so, you're living I it. Know. God, we're uh, just jealous. You have to live. You, you know what? It's a great day to be alive. Let's put it this way. <laughs> All right, pal. We really appreciate your time. Thanks for your insight. Hey, happy new year, guys. Take care. You too. Thanks, Renaud. Renaud Lois. Hockey reporter for TVA and uh, one of the best in the business. Uh, I'm fascinated. Kipper, he just he he said some things. To Sharm's toast, boys. Oh boy, I think that's what he said. Except yeah. more words. That's what. Yeah. That's that's all I got out of that was there. They, anytime you, and let's face it, to Sharm, it was questionable whether or not he was ready. And Bergevin says he's my guy. He's my guy, and guess what? He's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's not – you know what? It, let's say that's the case, and I think it is too, Kipper. It doesn't even reflect on, on Ducharme. It's just, you know, the new GM, they're starting over. They had a terrible season. It's a re- weird COVID year for them too. They just want a fresh start with their own guy. Uh, you know, hopefully Ducharme will get his next crack with a you know a proper season, a proper team. This this year is tough to judge a guy. And you know, the other thing he did for me in that interview is he's kind of brought me a little bit over towards at least legitimately talking to Patrick Watt. and I'm, it's it's not mm-hmm. for it's not mm-hmm. for uh, his next article, which will be how to re- re- remove a curse. <laughs> right, but the so? curse of the castle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but there, there might be something to be said there on, on this guy's been around and he knows stuff, and there he has been successful. So, how, how do you not listen to him? I can see Wa being like a. Uh, you know, maybe Torts isn't the perfect example, but a guy who can burn out his welcome type of thing, but could come in for a couple of years and really move the needle in a positive way. You know, could the could the Canadians go uh, catch fire with Patty Waugh in the organization? I would love to see it, boys. Yeah. For our job, you know, cover the the Leafs, I, get Patty Waugh in Montreal. Let's go. I, there's not many people who understand the market like Patrick Waugh does. You know, he is a guy that really would get it. And he's the, like you said, he's coached before. He's been coaching in Quebec for a long time, running that show with the ramparts. Like he really does have a deep understanding of that province and hockey. And he's well known there. And uh, we know now that he loves fries. So uh, me and Patrick will have that in common. Uh, the the curse of the Casso. Uh, God, I love that so much. <laughs> you guys buy into my theory at all that, you know, this this whole list and I include, you know, the two female names that this is the Montreal Canadian way of saying, Hey, uh, let's focus on this hand off the ice and don't focus on this hand that's on the ice here. It's, it's, it's too, a little too much grandstanding for me, this list. And, and you know, I, I mean, the, the two women, Danielle and Emily, and listen, I have no problem with them 
joining the organization and then being brought along, but they're not qualified to be a general manager in the National Hockey League. You know, tough for anyone to get, you know, to go from, uh, you know, mi- minimal role in the league and become a, a GM. You know, they, it would be a Especially large in Montreal. But... But you do wonder if is that the type of GM role where they're going to be? You know, we've we've said all along that Jeff Gordon is going to be largely in charge. He is going to be assisting, you know, helping people along. Whoever that GM is, you know, is Daniel Briere more you know more qualified? Is it? Uh, you know, I just think that whoever's going to be in that role might be someone that they. It's not like a Patrick Waugh where they want to say, "Here it is. It's entirely yours." It's someone who is sort of being shepherded along. So I don't know. I, I totally agree. There might be three or four names on there. You're right, Justin, and I'm not saying that. Um, like, you know, just just for the sake of saying it, you're absolutely right. Is Daniel Briere? Has he had enough experience? I know there's people that are. That, that have been around NHL hockey for 20, 25 years, and you could still say, are they qualified or are they ready or do they know enough? Do Just they like you just boxes? did about Ducharme, right? A fair question. Right? So, I mean, it, it's I, I just find it really interesting. Uh, eight names, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and I've covered hockey well, a lot, but this this just seems to be, you know, a little bit too, more, too, too forthcoming when it comes to... You know, oh, yeah. let's focus on this and not focus on the ice. It makes sense yeah. to me anyways. Yeah. That's the way the I see it. The ice is a mess. Did you see the entire list that this team has out right now? Like, the out list would definitely beat the in list if both were healthy. It's just a fully stacked Canadian. All the good Canadians, you know, out for one reason or another. Uh, I appreciate these guys getting uh, a look in the NHL, but it's it's not the NHL team that they're supposed to be. So, can you imagine being on that team and you got to play a condensed schedule, knowing you're out of playoffs? Like, how fun is that going to be for these guys? Yeah, yeah. Um, we saw that last best. year. We yeah, saw that last be- year. Remember, with like when the Leafs were playing those games at the end of the year, they were playing against the Canucks, who had. Uh, we're way out of it, and Ottawa, who was way out of it, but they actually gave right. him some tough games towards the end. But we really saw that last year, where you know you're playing in a pandemic world. There's not a lot to play for. The games they start to stink, and I bet you there's. Do you think there's any world? Well, no money, so uh, I can stop my question. <laughs> but money runs the world, as Kipper says. But there's yeah. no world where they just play less games. Some teams play less games if they're way out of it and they can't make them up. Do you think that's? Do you think there's a world when that happens? I could see it, but Kipper's going to tell us no because money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> show me the money. Just show me the money. No, but it was a... because money. That should be the name <laughs> of the show. It, it is. It was a good hockey game, uh, regardless of uh, shorthanded for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, another good hockey game last night, Edmonton and St. Louis, guys. Did you did you catch that one? Uh, mm-hmm. Sa- uh, Sammy, do we have time to talk about uh, Tarasenko at all, or you want to go to break? I I mean, it is a good clip, but it's pretty quick here to, to go to break yeah. before. So let's go to break quickly, and then maybe we can do it on the other side before we get to Alan May, because I don't want to really force it in there. Okay. All right. So let's take the break right now, and we'll come back. Uh, and, and still plenty coming up in the show, including Alan May, covers the Washington Capitals. They're not going away anytime soon. Neither is Ovi. So it's Alan May after the break on Real Kipper and Bourne. Plenty still ahead here on Real Kipper and Born. Including a gentleman who's watched Ovi for a very long time. Let's bring in Alan May. Covers the Washington Capitals for NBC Washington. 
And yes, a former teammate of mine. And yes, a guy who can get me to send him cookies through the mail. Where are you? I'm here. I was just waiting for more. I, did, I didn't want you to stop. I, that, uh, That's it. I That's gonna... all I got to say. I got to be honest with oh, you. Hey. A lot hey, of people that made... would ask me to... Hold on, hold on. There's a lot of people that would ask me to send them Canadian cookies. I'd say no to. You? I don't know how you got me to do it. Uh, all I know is you made an older woman very happy and you didn't have to take your clothes off, just like I told you. In the past. Good job. <laughs> oh, there's a visual. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing great, man. I'm just trying to hide from everyone right now. So it's uh, this crazy world that we're living in. It seems like every, every time I. I, I open up my Twitter account or someone calls me from the team or from work. Someone else has COVID right now, or at least they've tested positive. And it's just insane that this thing just won't go away. It's just like, it's just like one of those neighbors, you know, it just, it just keeps coming back. doesn't move away. It just, it just keeps hanging around. So it's, it's, uh, it's just crazy what we're dealing with right now. And it's just become the kind of the, the normal is talking about, all the chaos in every National Hockey League team's lineup and, uh, and you know, just even my work lineup. And I'm sure you guys are dealing with it up there, too. So it's just, a, it, it just a, you know what, nothing surprises me anymore. So every day it's just like, what's happening today? I, you know, trying to produce these shows, it's, it's insane that no, no show has gone this season like we've wanted to outside of opening night. It's just been incredible. That is, it's been really, we've been talking about the frustrations here. Uh, where what's the update on the where the Capitals are at? I see they they had a nice win against the Predators and took top spot in the Metro Division. Uh, they seem like they're humming along. How how are things forecasting for them now that they're back after the break? Well, all of their guys that uh, developed COVID or tested positive on the the twenty first, twenty second, twenty third, twenty fourth. No one tested on the twenty fifth. Uh, you know, all those guys with the new five day mandate here that you have the quarantine mandate. Uh, and almost everyone should be back. Now, it's up to lake, uh, you know, state, local rules, wherever you're at now, whether the five-day, six-day quarantine is enough for you to, you know, play in other cities or even for the Capitals to practice in their facility in junior. But the Caps last night was the first time all season long that they had their four centermen in the lineup. Kuznetsov, Backstrom, Eller, and Dowd. That was the very first wow. time. The only thing that the Cavs have had normal for the most of this season was they had their two young goaltenders for about the first 20 some games. And then their six defensemen that they were going with played about the first 25 games altogether before they got unbuckled and started going with a different roster. But, you know, th this team has been really very resilient this year. And of course the leadership of Bob Etkin has been, you know, really second to none to anyone in the national hockey league. Uh, they've had, they've used 10 rookies, uh, all but, you know, I guess Fukali, technically not a rookie because he was 26, played in his first game ever in the National Hockey League, pitches a shutout. But uh, the Caps are starting to get everyone back. It looks like COVID has rolled through most of the team. And, you know, the one guy I always worry about, I just don't want Ovi to get COVID because I want to see what he can do with the record books here. And at his age, if he can get pump in 50-plus goals, get 100 points, in today's day and age, that's pretty remarkable because it's a lot harder to score goals and get points than it has ever been.
and it's not like there's a sign that this new Ovechkin uh, setup guy is going to disappear anytime soon. Well, no, not at all. You know, he's so dialed in. As I told you the last time I was on with you guys, he's taking the, the leadership thing. He, and you know, I, one of the things I thought after the last time I got up the air with you guys, there was a point when Barry Trotz was the coach here, and Barry and Alex worked very well together. And and you know what, Ovi did everything Barry ever wanted. He adjusted his game as he wanted, and you know, just like he wanted every other player on the team. But there were some players here that Barry was able to weed out, and I had seen these characters for years be those guys that they they talk a good game. They were kind of the, the press darlings, and you know, ran, almost ran to the microphones. And Ovechkin was big on. I remember he had had enough at one point, and he said, you know, some guys all they do is talk. They come here after every game, they just talk. They say things about it, but they don't do. And they they are always there, and they're always talk, talk, talk. They don't do well. This guy's been getting onto his teammates to up their games and to, to play at a better level. And he's delivering. So he's not just talking, he's delivering. So he showed up to play every single game this season. He's played physical when they need it. He's been playmaker when they need it. Big time shooter as always as, as they need it, but he's just dialed in in every game and the competitive juices are there. And Nick's lucky. He probably played at the best captain ever in Mark Messier and Ovi is getting more and more of those Mark Messier qualities. You know, it's not like he was born and raised with them. You know, he didn't have all that leadership around him, uh, to, you know, to, to really cultivate what he would become. And I think it took a lot of Barry Trotz, but I think Ovechkin's leadership to me, uh, get, get rid of the 50 points and, you know, the 22 goals, everything that he's sporting right now, it's been his leadership, how he showed up to play every game and has demanded more out of other players as I said, they've used 31 skaters this season. I believe it's been 31 skaters. 30 of them had a point, and it doesn't matter who's in the lineup. Uh, he's making guys elevate their games. God, it's a, it's amazing. You're talking about uh, a guy who skipped an all-star weekend to go to South Beach in Miami to having Mark Messier leadership qualities. I can't believe we're talking about the same guy earlier on well, in, in his career. I'm, I have to go on a little, little bit of OB defense there. You know, one of the things is, you know, this team has always ridden him and played him a lot. He plays a lot of minutes and he actually lives in, in Florida. So the other day, you know, their Christmas break, I'm, I'm assuming there's a private jet involved, but the, uh, with a, like a lot of these players now, but he, that's where he lives. And during the, uh, the first lockout or not the lockout, the first COVID pause, he was there training every day, you know, expecting to come back. So it's a little bit different. It's not like the old OV who's partying in the South beach. This is his actual residence is down there, but he has come a long way. He has come a long, long way. I don't think there's any more late nights. Uh, and I think that's, you know, common with a lot of players as they get older, they realize that, you know, they'll, there'll always be a beer there and there'll always be a late night to go hang out. But, you know, don't waste these years. Just continue to be productive. And this guy's continuing to be productive. And I, I remember that last year before Barry Trotz is here, you know, people are saying maybe it's time the Caps got rid of him. And, uh, you know, the best investment they ever made is that first 13-year contract and now the five-year that they're getting a huge bang for their buck right now. Ovi's married with a kid. He's not having fun ever again. Let's not kid ourselves. It's over for that guy. <laughs> I'm talking firsthand here as someone about his age. Um so, you know, this is a guy who's led the way for Russians 
his whole career of, you know, thinking about the Olympics and international play and wanting to be a part of it. And we've heard stuff like it doesn't matter if the NHL's go and we're going, you know, what, what do you expect to come out of Ovi not getting to go represent Russia at the Olympics? I'm sure a, a large amount of frustration on his part. I think all the players are frustrated and, you know, we're used to being frustrated right now. And, you know, with the players, you're starting to hear a lot of them, you know, they want to play in these international games. And I remember watching Canada cups growing up the, the 2010 Olympics. Uh, and I'm still not growing up. I thought that was absolutely fascinating. And the players do want to play, but they're, they're, the Russian players, because of the involvement of the leader of the country, you know, I think there's a lot more pressure for them to, to represent their country and not be able to say no. It's a somewhat different circumstance. I don't see the Canadian PM or certainly the U.S. Pre- president uh, calling players and telling them they need to play for their home country. So it's a lot different circumstance. But, you know, and, and who would want to go? Like the Russian players, you know, people say, oh, he's still going to go. Well, he's not going to go. It, it would be if the Russians all went and no one else went, it, it wouldn't be no one would it'd be an asterisk beside that's that's the, that Olympic gold medal and everyone would laugh at them forever for who they were playing against. And it, it's just, uh, you know, it's just something that players are dealing with. But I think right now Ovechkin realizes that, you know, he's probably got a better chance of winning a Stanley cup than he does of, you know, getting a gold medal. And, you know, he wants this record of Wayne Gretzky's, you know, and with Ovi, it'll be a longevity goal scorer. He's never had the seasons that, that Gretz has had. Uh, Point-wise or goal-wise, you know, it's it's still phenomenal in that area, but, you know, where he is. But I think he really wants to be the all-time leading goal scorer in the National Hockey League when it's all said and done. And he's so dialed in every game. Even though he's passing up a lot of those opportunities, he's he's still very focused on, on getting to Wayne's record. Alan, you don't you don't think that this is uh, you think it's a moot point at this point? We're not going to start hearing noise of of guys wanting to go, uh, despite what the NHL thinks. You think? Uh, well, they're, that, they're that's the end of it. Anyway, they're, they're unable to play anyways, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Olympics are called off. And, and you know, so it would be kind of a moot point. But I, I you know, the, the players well, they can't go play. As far as they they, they, they have, Ovi can go if he chooses to go, and he'll just have to live with the. Uh, the consequences of whatever that means. Well, I, I, I believe between the agreement of the IHF and the IOC and, and the National Hockey League, uh, the National Hockey League players are, are, are unable to play in those games. It just, will, I think, it would cause way too many problems. And once again, it would just be way too watered down, uh, the competition that you're going to have there, the names that we've seen, you know, talked about playing. It's normally those guys that play in the Spangler Cup would be the players playing in the Olympics and, and some of the, you know, junior players and collegiate players out there. But after what happened at the World Junior Championships, I'm not sure any of those players, the, these, the young North American players, uh, regardless of what country they're from, uh, would want to lead their junior teams or their collegiate teams to go to something would probably get shut down while they're there anyways because we have saw what happened with the World Junior Championships. And, you know, why even bother? Because I, I can't see... In China, where this all started, I can't see them pulling off an Olympics anyways at this point. How How is uh, the news of the World Junior Championship? I know it doesn't get the attention nearly as, as close as what we've experienced up here in Canada, but uh, was there any noise at all about it uh, south of the border? Well, just like you guys, you know, like I, my, my daily bubble is the hockey world. And, uh, you know, yesterday when that happened, I was getting ready for my game, and all of a sudden my phone lit up like a Christmas tree, and it just didn't stop. And 
people were all pissed off and, you know, not knowing enough of the circumstances. But, you know, I, I think everyone is absolutely when they saw what the COVID protocols were, you know, after all this is said and done, why why did they even bother? And everyone's saying like it was a complete waste of absolute waste of money and time for people to even go, because right now. It, I, there is no rhyme or reason to how you get COVID. And it, it, there is, you know, the only time is going to tell what's right, what's wrong, what's true, what's, you know, what's fact, what's fiction. And I've just seen so many people. I've seen people get COVID and be really sick. I've seen people, my son, two times he's had it, my 17-year-old, and didn't know he had it. You know, other than he has, you know, you know the antibodies and, you know, his mom has had it twice. It, it's just and my cameraman right now is really sick. He's got like, you know, headaches that he, you know, he, he's just in a, in a whole world of hurt. And so it, I just think it would be just too, too rough. And I think with all the people that I know, everyone thinks, why do they even bother with the world juniors? If the rules were going to be like this, where all of a sudden teams are forfeiting games. And as long as you're around people and you're not in a, a you know, like a hundred percent bubble, like the NHL provided and the world junior did provide last year, you know, people are going to get COVID if you're not in a 100% bubble. And they didn't have that. And, you know, that's everyone that I've spoken to now and said, why do they even bother? And it's, it's sad because I, I live for that. I, I, I love it like most Canadians do that love the game of hockey. I love watching the World Juniors and seeing all the next guys. And, you know, the first time I got a glimpse of Ovi was in the World Juniors. The first time I got a glimpse of Crosby was in the World Juniors. So it's always meant a lot to me, even from the time I was a teenager, and uh, I was certainly upset to see that it was canceled and, you know, they, they played those games for not. So as teams skip about in the National Hockey League from uh, state to state, province to province, different restrictions and uh, all that and everywhere they go, how do you think this season is going to be remembered? As, as a, Do you think it'll be remembered as a genuine, straight-up NHL season or as one where it was kind of random and survival of the fittest here? I, you know, We've talked about competitive integrity this season, and it kind of feels on the verge of being lost at times this year. Do you think that's the case? Well, you know what? When it's all said and done, you're, there's going to be a Stanley Cup winner. And to me, it doesn't matter. There is no asterisk for me. You still got to win your games. You still got to win. You still got a place to get into the playoffs. You've got to win your seven game series to win the Stanley Cup. So teams are dealing with it. You know, like we have only with Washington have had one game all season where we knew who was coming out of the tunnel, and that was game one. And every single night from then, there has been a different lineup. I don't think we've had but one time the same lineup in back-to-back games. And I, I would say that with, you know, they just alternated their, their foot, their goalies, but they had all the same defense and the forwards. Two games, I believe it was Anaheim, L.A. And, you know, one of the things that this is where you really test the character of your coaching staff and the message that they have is every night panic mode, are you hiding players? I've seen Peter Laviolette do an incredible job this year. Uh, he's used 10 rookies. The Caps have used 31 skaters, and they're at the top of the standings. You know, they're not quite at the top, but they're first in the Metro. They're second behind Tampa by a point, uh, even though, they, you know, they Tampa's got a game on them. They, they This is just a matter of coming out the gate and, and playing and dealing with what. And, you know, players are getting opportunities that they never would get. And the, the taxi squad that it's implemented now, players are going to get games in. Uh, there's more the AHL. It just shows the importance of stocking your AHL team with a great coaching staff and a great set of players. You know, you need young talent and you also need some of those 
you know, those journeymen, older players that are kind of tweeners that can come up and give you, you know, five to ten really solid games. But when it's all said and done, you've got to win your games. Ten years from now, you're just going to look back who won the, who won the Stanley Cup in 2022. And I think, you know, people talk about the integrity of the game. That's good for guys who write for a living, reporters, bloggers, you name it. It gives them a lot of fodder. But there's going to be a name put on the Stanley Cup, and that's the bottom line. We're looking at a dogfight in the Atlantic with the Toronto Maple Leafs and where they want to obviously sit uh, when it's all said and done and take that first seed. Washington, no different with the fight with Carolina. Uh, I mean, it's this is important here. This is all about uh, setting yourself up in the first round. Yeah, and then again, does it really matter anymore? You're just trying to get in the playoffs. It, it's but you, you want your team to be competitive all season long. And, and, you know, I think having all this adversity, Toronto's had their adversity, and maybe that's what's made them a better team this year is they, they've had to deal with lots of different things. And they still, you know, they're held to a, maybe a higher standard than anywhere in the National Hockey League because there's some, some, such unreal expectations if you're Toronto Maple Leaf. Like the players, everyone thinks they're better than they are and everyone thinks they're worse than they are. And when it comes to players and, and what the team actually is, but you, you deal with adversity. You go hard every night. You're trying to trying to put everything you have into the games. I think playing in more games that matter uh, and having a scratch and claw, it, it makes you more battle tested. So you know, trying to be the first in your division, uh, not you know even the first in the conference, but I think battling hard and making sure you're. I, I think those teams that are battling hard all season long that are always in the top three of their division. They're more battle tested than, than the other teams because they've got to play a lot more consistently. See, consistently, you can't lose. Most of the good teams don't lose two games in a row. Uh, you know, they find a way to regroup. You know, might lose an overtime or a shootout, and then you know another one. But you're you're right back at it. So consistency is key with all the better teams. So you you just look at it, you deal with it, you continue to play hard. Uh, you know, like tonight there's a huge game in the National Hockey League with Tampa Bay and Florida. You know, those are games that matter to those guys. And I think it, it makes you more ready for the playoffs when, when the best teams are really going at each other as hard as they can. Well, we'll, we'll watch with uh, tremendous interest. As long as we got games still going on the ice, it's all good here. <laughs> Alan, really appreciate your time, man. Thanks for this. Yeah, hey, thanks a lot. And thanks again for those cookies. And the next time I'll ask for some, like, good old Canadian whiskey to be sent my way, <laughs> if that's allowed. <laughs> I, I'm thinking of it's something you can mail me up here. Uh, I'll, I'll work on that in the next couple of days. Alan May from NBC Washington. Thanks again, pal. Thanks, Alan. Take care, guys. Bye. What kind of cookies, Skipper? Uh, he wanted... Uh, uh, maple something. Uh, oh, the ones that are shaped like a leaf with yes. the maple. Oh, those yes. are so good. I think they're dare uh, cookies. I think they're dare, exactly. Yeah, those are so good. Yeah, and I, I threw a couple chair. of packages of Smarties in as well. Because they don't, oh, man, they, that, that's Canadian too, right? The Smarties? Yeah. Oh, the, that's the closest they have. A surprising M&Ms? amount of better candy. Yeah, they got the generic stuff. Canada has a great candy selection, I'll tell you that. They do. They do. You know, just talking to, with the Washington Capitals with him, uh, Kuznetsov, oh, the, he is the key. And we, we look at OV, tons of attention, but if Kuznetsov is not playing as up to his capabilities, they won't win. 
And you think he, he's a, he he's like Marner for you on the Leafs. You think he's sneaky, the guy yes. who moves the machine, eh? Ah, one hundred percent. This guy could have easily won the Conn Smythe in two thousand eighteen. We know uh Ovi ended up winning it, or if I'm not mistaken. But uh like easily, easily when he's going. He is he's a machine for, for Washington, much like Marner is. Okay. One more guest on this uh, jam-packed show. And uh, I've been telling Sammy and I've been telling JB, the whole world revolves around the cash. (laughs) And if you don't believe me, that's why we brought on Adam Seaborn, Canadian media analyst, to verify this. Adam, thanks for making some time for us. And, uh, you know, we're trying to make, sense out of all this world junior stuff and and what's happening here and i know you've been tweeting and and doing interviews uh revolved around uh what what it really means financially but uh hoping that you can kind of reiterate uh what truly made this tournament go from the get-go and that was the bottom line yeah absolutely thanks for having me on guys um yeah, Kimber, I think you're right. Like, at the end of the day, um, this, the NHL, the NBA, every major sports league, they're a business first. And cash is the number one concern. Um, and the big part of that is the TV broadcast rights. That's what everyone points to. That's what, you know, big deal back in 2013 when Sportsnet signed the big deal with the NHL. We heard about TNT and ESPN signing a deal with the NHL this year. TSN has had the double IHF rights for a really long time and the world juniors has become a really big tv event in canada um and with big events means big eyeballs and big eyeballs mean big big ad dollars so every single game that is canceled and now the whole tournament being canceled huge loss of revenue for the tv networks and it really throws i mean the schedule on kilter it throws the network on kilter and you can see why all these leagues the nhl the nba are really trying to save these games so it's it's not a stretch to say this is this is TSN's number one property. I know they got the Grey Cup here, but this this is bigger for them than even the Grey Cup. Do you have any yeah. idea of of the dollars it's generated? I've had someone suggest to me what that number is, and you know if I told you that it was between <laughs> ten and ten and fifteen million dollars, would would the person that told me that be in the right ballpark here? Yeah, absolutely. So just to peel back the curtain a little bit, right? So the TV networks have two ways of making money. They sell ads. Ad revenue is a huge part of it, and then they have subscriptions. Now, the ad revenue is really hard to tie, or really easy, rather, to tie back to programming, right? I have a program. It's got a million, two million, three million viewers. I sell ads in that program. Wow, that's, you know, the IIHF, the World Junior Hockey Tournament, whatever it is. That's generating a ton of revenue for me. What's really hard to quantify is why do subscribers keep TSN or Sportsnet or any channel on their cable package. Why do they even have a cable package? It's events like this throughout the year. Um, TSN did a really smart thing when they did decide to invest in this tournament. This period between Christmas and New Year's was a dead zone for TV, and they created something essentially out of thin air. I mean, the tournament was taking place, but it wasn't really televised, and it's become, you're totally right, their biggest event of the year, and the dollars that you quoted are absolutely in the wheelhouse. I would actually think that they're a little bit more than what you quoted, Uh, from an ad revenue standpoint. So this is all going to be lost revenue. Um, They'll make it up later in the year with these advertisers. What will happen is everyone who's committed to sponsorship packages or anyone who's bought spots in the Canada games or the Finland games or any of these games, they're going to get made good in other programming on the network. 
But what that means is that you can't sell ads to net new advertisers in the first quarter or second quarter of next year. And it creates a huge hole in your whole, you know, TV schedule from now until, you know, when the tournament's supposed to end next week. So, I mean, it does sound like that money lost will be lost, maybe not now, but it's lost later when you're not able to earn anything. Do you yeah. think then that there's a real possibility that they just cr- create this event down the road and find a way, you know, there's some talk about the off season, you know, purely for the from the financial standpoint, is it possible this still happens just later on? Well, it was it was not quite canceled. It was postponed, I guess, is the way they're describing it. So absolutely, they're going to try to find a way to make this back. Now, you can't just recreate the hype and the work that went into creating this time period. Um, we know what happens on Hockey Night in Canada. It's a ritual, and every Saturday night, Hockey Night in Canada is the number one program of the week in Canada. But that's because it's Hockey Night in Canada. If you tried to move Hockey Night in Canada to a Tuesday afternoon in June, you would not get the same viewership, and it's not worth what it's worth. So every time that something's moved around, um, you're never going to really get that money back. You're going to get some of it back here and there, but for the most part, you're eating a pretty big loss here. Wow. I, I tell you what, good luck in June or July. You, you guys, yeah. th- they can put that thing on. You know what I'll be doing? I'll be three-putting on the second hole <laughs> at Rosedale. Breaking the putter over your knee. So, Adam, let me let me ask you this. It, 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 is, it, is it still worth it for them? to put this thing on in June and July to chase 50 cents on the dollar because there's not a chance they're going to get four or five million people watching this thing in June or July like they would have this Christmas. No, they won't get the same viewership, but I still think there's probably some value in having the tournament, not just for the one-off um, you know, revenue for 2022 or for the network. This is a long-term relationship with Hockey Canada, the IHF, and They've committed to making this an event. Junior hockey and the World Juniors is an important part of their identity. So I think that if possible, and who knows with what's going on with the pandemic, if any of this will even be possible. But if it's possible, they'll try to make an event out of it. But 50 cents on the dollar would be optimistic, to be honest. Wow, that's bleak. You know, and, and one other thing that we've been kicking around here is like what's going on with the Toronto Maple Leafs the, in yeah. their schedule. You know, so they're postponing games, but they are not postponing Saturday or Wednesday. That seems obviously <laughs> tied to TV rights, correct? Yeah, listen, I, I mean, people outside of Toronto always complain about how the entire Canadian NHL schedule is set up for the Toronto Maple Leafs. The reason why is the Toronto Maple Leafs drive dramatically more eyeballs and dramatically more revenue. There's a reason why when the Leafs play Vancouver in Vancouver, it's prime time on the East Coast, not prime time on the West Coast, because that's the best TV window. Um, and I don't know what's going to happen this week. No one knows what's going to happen Wednesday and Saturday. But I will tell you that Sportsman has already sold all the ads. Ads are sold not days in advance or weeks in advance. They're sold months and often years in advance. So right now there are dozens of advertisers who invested hundreds of thousands of dollars in Wednesday night's hockey game and Saturday night's hockey game and hockey games for the rest of the year. And if those games don't happen, um, that money needs to be made up somewhere else. And where are you going to make it up? Maybe in the Blue Jays in the summer, or maybe you'll make it up elsewhere, or maybe you'll have to refund some of it. But if those games don't happen, um, there's a loss somewhere. And that trickles down to what's going on with the entire league. I mean, we've heard Batman talk about what's going to happen with the cap and escrow payments, but I know the players, they don't want to play in empty buildings or not play at all because it hurts their pockets as well. You know, it's funny watching all of this, or not funny, but just uh, maybe frustrating is a better word. 
when we heard that the, the women's under 18 got canceled, but they kept the, the world juniors going here. And it was like, you guys don't like girls. And it's like, no, in the last 24 hours, it's really been exposed that uh, mm-hmm. this is, this is strictly about the cash cow. And it's almost like it, it needed to be played out so people can truly understand that. Um, and I, I don't know who it was uh, that, that mentioned it, but uh you know, regarding for uh, the double IHF, the, the the three money makers are the Olympics, the men's world championship, and the world juniors, and yeah. th- they're the ones that fund everything. And if if that dries up, there there's nothing, there's nothing for these guys to go to. And the unfortunate part is that we we, you know. It needed to get played out almost. They, yeah. they almost they, they truly exposed themselves for what they were. They this was all about the greed and and the cash, and it was ridiculous to think that they could get away with it in, in what was happening. We were, we were seeing seventy and eighty percent of the NHL rosters go down. Who in their right mind would think that they were going to able to pull this off and go to a hotel where it's unsecure? and think that they were going to somehow get two weeks into players playing this thing right to the very end. It's, it's mind boggling to think that they actually tried to do this. Yeah. Right from the jump, the plan seemed a little bit dubious. I mean, their bubble wasn't nearly as, I mean, it wasn't a bubble. We heard about a red deer wedding and people ran into people in the hotels. There really wasn't that bubble. It seemed to be some wishful thinking. Um, you're absolutely right with respect to the women's tournament or with respect to Hockey Canada Point and things like the Spangler Cup or other things like that. It's the things that make money that get held on to the longest, right? There's a reason why, you know, Gary Bettman and the NHL don't want to cancel games in Canada. They want to postpone them because, and Elliot Freeman uh, had some good reporting on this last week, I mean, anywhere from 2 to $3.5 million of gate revenue for a Canadian NHL game. Um, it's tons of ad revenue, two and a half, three, four, five million dollars of ad revenue for those games in Canada. Um, so that's where where it lies, absolutely. Um, now, could they have done a better job setting it up? I, I think so. I think they probably could. Um, and could the NHL be doing a better job? Perhaps. I mean, what the NBA has done, I think, is pretty intelligent, totally different league and different dynamics, and most of the teams are in the United States, but they've opened up the rosters to just about anyone who – uh, can play basketball and they'll sign them and they'll waive capped and, and luxury tax requirements so that they can field the team and play the games because they don't want to have to cancel games or move around the schedule or refund money to TNT. Yeah, no, that, it is crazy. And it's, that's why it seems crazy that the NHL is postponing games with healthy players and not just trying to get through the schedule. One thing that stands out to me, you had a really fascinating tweet, uh, maybe in the past week or two, don't know exactly when, but basically that when no sports are on, like when there's when sports are not happening, no one watches other TV either. Like ratings suffer on television, not just sports ratings when there's no sports on. And that's correct? Yeah, so that that's the other thing to keep in mind is that, you know, Sportsnet is owned by Rogers that owns dozens of other channels, and TSN is owned by Bell that owns dozens of other channels. That's true in the United States as well. All the sports broadcasters are part of larger holding companies, and sports really is the, the straw that serves the drink. I mean, the NFL in the United States really is the number one example of this. It's the number one program. Every single NFL game beats any scripted programming. In Canada, Leafs, Habs, you name it, it's better than any other programming on TV. But what happens is when those games are on, they're appointment viewing, people tune in on TV, and the numbers 
bear this out, um, they stay tuned in. They tune in for a pregame show. They stay on TV. They turn it on in the morning. They end up watching other programming, and they continue being invested in TV. What happened, you know, when the pandemic first hit and there really were no sports at all on is that total TV viewing just came down dramatically. Now, news viewership was up because people were watching daily press conferences. But besides that, there was a huge hole. And the fear is, is that if you cancel games or there's too many holes in the schedule, you really lose momentum. And I think this NHL season already has had some challenges with respect to TV ratings uh, in Canada and in the United States. And this disruption does not help the casual fan who maybe was not that tuned in to begin with. Fascinating stuff, Adam. Uh, Really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Okay, he can be found at AHSS Seaborn, Canadian media analyst Adam Seaborn. That was really good stuff. Uh, yeah, I'm really fascinated by that stuff, particularly the idea that, you know, once you're committed to watching a sporting event, you're watching other stuff, too. You've committed to the couch, and it affects all other ratings and viewership numbers. That's great. And we were talking the last 24, 48 hours, you know, a couple of days ago, I mentioned uh, the, the issue at Red Deer with the hotel. and Red Deer uh, wedding, man. It's a thing now. Here's what kills me, is that you've gone all this way, You've invested the money, you brought them in, and you put that Team USA, and I don't know who else was in there, in an unsecured hotel where people are coming and going, and it's, you know, Grand Central Station. And <laughs> you, 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 you're you trying to protect $10, $15 million, and yet nobody wanted to buck up for a hotel for two and a half weeks like go spend 50 grand and put them in a secure hotel right? to protect like you... 10 or 15 million dollars but nobody bucked up nobody TSN uh federations nobody wanted to go that extra mile to secure these kids and you had to call off the whole tournament it, it's it's mind boggling for me you know they, as they say people as aren't happy say, okay People aren't happy, Kipper. The players aren't happy. You saw that uh, Slovakian goaltender yeah. take to Twitter. Do you see what he said? Yeah, amateur hour. Yeah, he said it's a joke. He was like, you know, he, he you know, the year before they had a proper bubble. He talked about the the way this one was put together, and it really did feel like a high wire act that they just crossed their fingers and hoped there wasn't a gust of wind. And yeah. when the winds blew, they just had no no safety net underneath. Well, as they say. Pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. And that tournament was <laughs> annihilated. A lot of bacon going around. Like I said, it's it's good. Just uh the cards were laid on the table. It was it was a, a, a cash cow, a greed. It was it was not in the interest of whatever you want. Safety, uh whatever the case is, it was just about trying to cash in as much as he can. And, you know, listen, it's not my money. And it's not your money, and it's not the public's money. It it ultimately goes down to whoever's invested in this. It's your call. You want to pull the plug? Pull the plug. It's it's your money. It's not ours. But They cancel enough Sportsnet money, it might be ours. (laughs) A lot of of disappointed people, that's for sure. No kidding. No kidding. All right. We're Sammy in all of this. Sam, you got a bad mic. What's going on there? Yeah. Did you guys see the? Did you did you guys did you guys see the video 
uh, that Duffy tweeted out yesterday of all the guys at center ice, the German kids yeah. taking pictures on the ice together. It's like the night they were supposed to play Canada, you know, all these kids, how many chances are you going to get? I guess maybe if you're that age group in Germany, you maybe do get a better chance. Maybe you'll probably will get the goal next year. It's probably a lot of the same guys. But just that night, getting to play Canada, and they're on the ice taking pictures together. It's just heartbreaking, man. I, I know, like you said yesterday, you know, it's about the – but just my heart does break yes. for all those kids. Oh, 100%. They should have played ball like, hockey it, in the parking lot or something. Oh, we're outdoors now. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, can, before we go, boys, can we get that Evgeny Malkin clip in here? Because I love that oh, clip please. so much. Yes, every World Junior player aspiring to be Malkin for this reason and this reason only. Let's have a listen. Well, you say three or four more years, but uh, you don't have a contract past this season. Does that affect your approach right now? Uh no, no, I'm not uh, thinking about uh, my contract. I'm not thinking about money. Uh, I'm like pretty rich guy. <laughs> <laughs> like we, pretty we rich all guy. aspire to be a rich guy. <laughs> oh like, man, uh, it is hilarious though. Like we're so used to asking these guys like about their contracts, and you know, <laughs> he's like, guys, I've, how, what, did, what did you say he's made, Sammy? One fifteen. 115 million bucks in his career. And he's behind it, Ovi, who's what, 130? 128, yeah. Wow. Yeah, Malkin's like, boys, they're going to pay me on my next deal. I don't care if it's six, seven, nine. i I'm, I'm rich. I'm there now. We're home. Well, it's interesting because even like a, a couple of weeks ago, there was talk about some, some big names saying, I'm, I'm going to the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not going to name names, but they're the biggest names out there. And some of them, it's not about the money. And if there are consequences to go, uh, and one of them could be that, you know, your contract could be voided. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. But, but if you're Connor McDavid and they void your contract, you're like, okay. I get to I go home. Back, <laughs> yes. <laughs> JB, you, you nailed it. You nailed like, it. That's when I come back. So I'm not. I'm getting a new one. No, no, no. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll make more money yeah. if you void my contract. Yeah, the Oilers are like, we'll void right it. Now. He's like, do it. They're like, just kidding. <laughs> That's, and, and it's it's obviously curtailed. But there was a ground swelling going on amongst the players here, and you know it. It's kind of calculated a little bit by Marchand and his comments, but this yeah. he, he he's really representing. A, a larger group, guys, behind the scenes who are still pissed. It's just and, Lord of and the Flies. A, a, Alan May made a very good point. We don't know what's going to happen. This this thing could die down in, in six weeks, and this could go on, uh, and, and the Olympics could go on, or it could get canceled in itself because it still gets, it's still out of control. But if there's a, if, if there, if this thing does die down in, in four or five weeks and it, it goes off without a hitch, we have not heard the last of how pissed these guys really are going to be. It's well, an awesome wonder, point. And you wonder if, let's say, it happens in four weeks, and I know that's very unlikely, but the things turn sharply downhill. If all of a sudden play, the players go, okay, things look pretty good here. Could we give it a crack? Like, you know, could they talk their way into doing it at that point? Probably not. Well, who knows? 
top I, it off the show. I, by the way, would show. love to see Ovechkin versus Canada's AHL players. That would be amazing. <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> no, I don't want to see that. Thank that's you. That's not true. <laughs> All right. Despite, despite uh, having a show with a, a little bit of a downer on uh, breaking news with Ontario going down to 1,000, I thought it was a pretty fun show. I blast yesterday. Really good. Hey. Yeah, All right. Learned a Our lot. thanks to Adam Seaborn, Alan May, Renault from TVA stopped by and gave us uh, great uh, news on uh, Montreal Canadiens looking for a general manager. Boys, we're right back at it tomorrow. Somebody come with good news tomorrow. Leafs pregame, Kipper. Let's go.